Dave Adams is our speaker today. New Hope Community Church. To know, to live and to share Jesus Christ. We're in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. The sins of others affecting us. Basically what's happening in Daniel is God has had enough of the Israelites and, uh, and them turning to idolatry and just basically walking away from Christ. And so he's, uh, he has protected them up to this point, and, and this is the last straw. And so he's, he's giving the Israelites over to Babylon to be, to be taken captive. And so Babylon is outside Jerusalem at this point, and basically it's just a standoff. Babylon, the, the Babylonian soldiers are not letting anything in or out of Jerusalem at this point, and so they're trying to live off what they have. They said, I read about it, it took about two years to get to this point, that they just stood outside and said, look, you're not getting any more food, you're not getting any more water, you're not getting any more anything. Live with what you got. When you're good, come out and surrender. And so that, that's what this, this standoff is. And so they finally hit the point, and the king, Jehoiakim, says, says, okay, we can't do it anymore. Our people are starving. Like, we might as well just surrender. So they open the gates. The Babylonian soldiers come in, and they, and they capture all the people. Now... This is when Daniel gets taken captive. And so basically Daniel is, they say, he's about 19 years old at this point. And so Nebuchadnezzar wants, wants the soldiers to go in and they take a select group and they basically take them off to Babylon and in what we can only refer to as like AP Babylon, like, a, you know, like an AP course kind of thing. So they're going to go and they're going to study the culture, they're going to study the language, they're going to study the history, and then they're going to be put in some sort of leadership position. And so God has protected Daniel at this point because he, he has gotten Daniel into that, into that part with his three friends who we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which I think is interesting because they all, they all got their names changed when they, when they got taken over by Babylon, but we still know Daniel as Daniel, even though that was his his name before he went to Babylon, but yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that was their names after they went to Babylon. And I don't know, I just thought that that's just my little, that has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. That's just my little ADD kicking in, but just thought it was interesting, you know. So anyway, but the thing with Daniel is during this time, obviously Daniel was never, wasn't turning away from God. He was still very faithful during this time. And so we, we look at Daniel's life and, and so Daniel's still, being, still serving God, even though everybody around him is saying, you know, oh, it's better to live like this, and it's better to live like this, and it's better to live like this. And Daniel's saying, no, 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 we got to stay faithful, we got to stay true. But he's only one, you know, that's only a few out of this entire city of people. And so God allows him to be taken over. And so Daniel's being ripped out of his home, away from his family, away from, from his culture, away from everything he knows, and is being taken captive into Babylon. And so... You know, we, we ask, we say, well, what do you think Daniel could have been thinking during this time? And for me, I feel like Daniel could have been like, God, what the heck? Like, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you punishing me? I haven't done anything wrong. Right? You say like, yeah, I understand. Look, they're all, you know, bad people. Why don't you take them all out and I'll just run the city by myself, right? So like, why, do, why, am, I getting, why am I getting in trouble for something they're all doing? Right, and so it's, it would be easy to, to see how he could, and he doesn't do all this, don't, don't get me wrong, don't maybe, I'm not saying like this was his reaction. This, I'm saying like, man, this could have been going through his head, right? And, and, and people would understand like him questioning God and, and being angry with God at this time. And so that kind of got me thinking during this time, and I said, man, I feel like there's so many reasons that we get angry with God at certain times in our lives. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And so I kind of was praying about this, and and asking God to lead me on, on what to speak about. And, 
And so I, I kind of came to three reasons that we get angry with God. And I want to touch on these three reasons today. And so the first one is, is based on this situation with Daniel. And it's, a, it's, it's called the sins of others affecting us. And so just like Daniel, he, he, he was in, in Jerusalem serving God, whatever. Everybody else around him was not. But yet Daniel has to suffer the consequences anyway. The second one is our, what we would call, quote, little sins affecting us more than others' bigger sins, right? And I'm sure we've seen that in our lives. You think, like, man, God, I'm only doing, like, yeah, yeah, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm only doing this. Like, look at them over there doing, you know, this, this, and this. And yet it seems like I'm being punished more than they are. Like, how is this fair, right? And so we see, we see that. And then the last one is our obedience to God leading to difficulties, and I talk about the prodigal son a little bit of that one, and not the one that goes off and spends all the money and, and like, the, you know, the prodigal son that is super popular. Uh, I read something that the prodigal son is the third most recognized person in the Bible behind, like, Jesus and Moses or something like that, and he's not even real. Like, the prodigal son is just a story Jesus made up, you know, to, to share with people. It's, he's not, he wasn't even a real person. So I thought that was interesting, too. But I'm talking about the prodigal son, the, not the prodigal son, but the older brother who stayed and was, was obedient to his father and stayed. And so we'll, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. So the first one, the sins of others affecting us. And so, you know, I'm sure I could go around the, the room in here if we had, you know, six hours of a church service and ask each person, like, how have other people's sins affected you? I mean, it could be, you know, I've been hit by drunk drivers. I've been, I've suffered abuse in my family. You know, there's substance abuse and physical abuse and, and parents getting, you know, divorced and how that affects the kids. And, and you could just, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, I even looked up, there have been 20 reported terrorist attacks in the United States since 2010. Since 2010. You think back to 9-11, which is interesting too. I was, there were a couple, we had a couple middle schoolers and I was like, oh yeah, you guys remember back to, two, you know, the 9-11? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, how old were you when that happened? They're like, well, I was born in 2004. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's like, you know, I just turned 30 this year. And so it's like at that, it's like at that middle age where, you know, we get a lot of, like, high schoolers and, like, young college guys. And then we get, like, the, the leaders who are, you know, in their, like, 40s and 50s and things like that. And so I'm kind of in that middle that the, the 18-year-olds look at you and they're like, man, I'm impressed you can still walk upright like that. You know, and, and the older, and the, the guys who are a little, not old, not old, the guys who are older than me look at me and go, just you wait, just you wait. You know, I'd be like, man, yeah, my body's kind of hurting today. And they're like, your body's hurting, my gosh. You know, so I get those kind of, kind of guys. So you say, you know, you look back to 9 11 and, and you get the terrorist attacks like that, and it's like, man, every one of those people who were in that building and the first responders and, and however many people died that day, that wasn't because they deserved to die that day, right? That wasn't their sins that brought those towers down. It was, it was the acts of terrorism. And so you go on and on about that. I mean, in my life, the, the biggest example in my life on that was, was when I was 12. And when I was 12, we had a cousin named Adam. And uh, Adam was a heroin addict. And he had, been, he had been addicted to drugs since he was about 15. When I was 12, he was probably around 24, 25, something like that at the time. And so I still remember the one, one day we went and uh, my dad and I were, we would go down and we would landscape my grandma's house every summer. And so, um, and for whatever, usually it was just us, for whatever reason this year, Adam and my, my uncle Ark became with us to help out. 
And so my dad said, hey, you know, why don't you guys go back? There's tree roots getting up into the, under the air conditioning slab, so we just need to chop those out. You know, I'm 12 years. So he's like, Dave, why don't you and Adam go do that? And I was like, yeah, come on, Adam. You know, 12 years old, like, I'm going to do anything. You get the pickaxe, and you're like, yeah, come on. You know, it's like, yeah, we're going to go do this, right? So I climb up into a tree, and I just watch Adam work. And so we're talking a little bit, and he's talking about this, um, this religion class he's taking. I think he might have been going to Bucks, or he was taking some kind of classes during that time. And, and so he's talking about this religion class. And uh, so he's talking about how he, you know, different religions and what, they, what he thought of them. And, and he talked about, he started saying how Christianity just seemed to make the most sense. You know, I'm 12 years old, and I just feel, this is the first time my entire, in my life that I feel the Holy Spirit really pulling at me. And he's saying, hey, it's your turn to share. I'm like, my turn to share? What do you mean my turn to share? And he's like, you know, and I can just feel God talking to me. And, I, and, and I'm like, Lord, I'm 12 years old. He's like 20-something. Like, he's not going to listen to me. And, and God very clearly is like, hey, I, it wasn't a question. Open your mouth and start talking. You know, that's how God talks to me because that's how I talk to other people. And so, you know, God's sitting there. And he's like, look, just start opening your mouth. It's not going to be you anyway. I'm going to talk, you know, one of those kind of things. And I was like, oh, okay, I got you. And so we start talking, and I still have no idea what I, what I said, but we talked for 15, 20 minutes, however it was, and, and then we went back up front, and I'm all excited. My dad's there, and I'm like, Dad, Dad, I just witnessed to Adam. You know, I'm like, you know, just soaring high or whatever. And he's like, that's great, buddy. So we went out, and I bought a NIV study, used my own money, bought NIV study Bible and a book called More Than a Carpenter. I don't know if any of you have ever read it. I'm... I'm not one who likes to read a ton, but it's, you know, like this thick. It's like 110 pages. It's like this tall. So it's perfect for somebody like me. So if you've never read it, it's an awesome book. I, I highly recommend it. Um, so I got him those, those books, and it, and it seemed like it, it was helping. And, and my aunt had said how it was helping a little bit. And, um, and then one day, we were, we were out. I think we were at a light show or something. But we, we came home fairly late, like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock one night or something. And we get home, and there was a a message on the machine. You know, this is back before there were cell phones, so, like, if they weren't home, you just basically had to wait. And so, for those of you in middle school, that was, your parents will explain it to you. But, so, you know, the machine's blinking, so you're like, oh, we have a message. So we put, you know, push the button, and it's my aunt. And for those of you who don't know my dad, my dad's name is Brad, and I can still hear it to this day. And she's, you can hear the panic in her voice. And she's saying, Brad, Brad, pick up the phone. Brad, are you there? Brad, pick up the phone. Because she knew we used to screen our calls, too, so a lot of times we were there. But, you know, so she's super panicked, and, and we basically knew at that point something had happened to Adam, and it turned out that Adam had killed himself that night. It was a little bit after Christmas time, around 98, I think, right? And, um, and so I just remember I was devastated. I was devastated. And so, you know, my aunt gave me back the Bible and the book. She said, hey, I thought you'd want to have this to, to remember Adam by. And she said, I, I'd seen him reading the, the Bible. I know he'd gone to church a few times. Like, it really seemed like he was... He was into it, and, uh, and she said, I never saw him read the book, but I think he was reading it, and I, I still have the book, and it was dog-eared most of the way through, and things were underlined, and so I knew he was reading the, the book also, and, and I just sit there, and I'm like, God, what, why, why, why? This just doesn't, this is not okay. I said, he was, he was searching. All he needed was more time. He was searching. He was reading. He was going to church. He was whatever. Like, this wasn't a kid. Like, I used to teach it at Lakeside. Like, I've seen kids that have drug problems with bad homes and bad support systems, and this wasn't Adam. I taught a kid that we always wondered why he couldn't, you know, he was in and out of rehab, why he couldn't kick his drug problems. And then we found out one day, the first time he ever smoked weed, he was two, two, two years old, because his father and his idiot uncle thought it would be hilarious to get their son high. 
man, I have a two-year-old right now. I don't know if you guys saw Josh out front or not. I have a two-year-old right now. I can't imagine doing something like that to him. Can't imagine. But these are the kind of home lives that these kids, that the kids I taught used to have. That wasn't Adam's home life. He had two parents who loved him. He's got, he's got a brother who's 40-something with, what's he have, two kids, three kids, something like that? Two kids, I think. You know, he lives here in Lambertville. He's a president of the school board. Like, that was Adam's family. That's what Adam's future should have looked like. You know, he had two parents who loved him. They would take him to rehab, trying to get him help. You know, all these things. And this is who you take away? Like, come on. Like, God, you really screwed up on this one. And that was what was in my mind for a long time. You know, you really screwed up. Guess you made a mistake on that one. And that that was what I believed for a long time. I said, man, God really screwed that one up. Man, if I was God, here's what I would have done, right? We get that in our mind. It's like, oh, Lord, help us if we were God, right? But that's basically the mentality we have. Like, no, 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 no. God, if I was God, here's what I would do. Here's what, here's what you need to do, right? How many times do we have that attitude? You know, if I asked anybody in here, hey, do you know better than God? You'd say, no. But then certain things happen. We say, no, 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 right? And it wasn't anything that I did in my life. This was Adam's addiction. This was Adam's, you know, hole that he dug. But yet, man, I was just crushed and I was so angry with God for a long time. I mean, I was only 12 at that point and it was probably not until, I don't know, years later that I was like, God, I got to let this go. And I think it's, it's important for those reactions. Like we can, it's, it's okay to be confused and it's okay to be, to be upset, but to sit there and say, God, you screwed up. That's not it. That's not it. And we can ask for wisdom and we can ask for clarity and we can ask for understanding and those are the reactions we need to have with, with Christ. And I think the second one, we talk about our little sins affecting us more than others' big sins. And I think it's easy to do, especially when you compare it to the world. And you can say, man, look at these, you know, you see these movie stars and celebrities and, and athletes and everything else. And you're like, look at the way they're living. And they've got all this money and they've got their own private, you know, jets and how, these mansions and whatever they've, whatever they've got. And they're like, man, I'm living for you and what do I got? You know, I got Whatever. X, Y, Z, whatever you want to list on that, on that list. But I think it's important to remember also that, that we look at these things and we say, okay, but they're not claiming to be Christians, right? Because the second we sit here and we say, yes, I'm going to follow Christ, your accountability level raises from here to here. Because the second we say, yes, I'm going to be a follower of Christ, Christ says, okay, then I'm going to work on this with you. And we sit there and we say, oh, it's not fair. They're doing this or they're doing that or even people who are claiming to be Christians or, you know, maybe whatever. But what's in our own heart? What are we striving for in our own lives? Because if we say, yes, I want to follow Christ, then we're saying, I want to be perfect. Because as Christians, that's what we're called to. We're called to perfection. We're called to be like Christ and Christ was perfect. We're called to be like Christ and Christ was perfect. So we're no longer just on the same level as how, however else everybody else is living. What we're called to is perfection. And Christ is going to help us to that point. So if we've got certain sin in our life or we live in a certain way and Christ, that, and Christ says, no, 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 that's not okay. And here's how we're going to fix it. You say, well, that's not fair. Look how they're living. He goes, no, 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 I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. And how are we going to get you to live up to be Christ-like? And I think it's so important to to remember that, that we're not called, you know, I, I think I've said this before, but we're not called to be better than the world. You turn on the news, it's not that hard. 
It's really not. You're called, we're called as Christians to be like Christ. To be like Christ. And Christ was perfect. So I think as we try to compare ourselves to somebody else or compare ourselves to whatever, we say, oh, well, I've only got this sin. Yeah, but what are we doing to get rid of that sin? Why, why do we sit there and say, well, I've only got this? No, why are we not sitting there saying, no, I've got to get rid of this? I've got to raise my bar. Because if I ever want to try to be like Christ, this is what I've got to do. And so if God's going to help me through that, then I'm going to have to stumble at times and I'm going to have to struggle at times and things are going to have to be difficult because that's where I want to get to. You know, I compare it to some of my, my, my boys. I say, it's like, you want to be a professional athlete? Great. You say, oh man, why do I have to train all day and they get to sit on the couch watching TV? Because you're striving for greatness and they're striving for video games. It's not the same thing. So what are we in our own lives? Don't compare yourself to other people. What are we in our own lives doing to be like Christ? And how is Christ helping us in that area? And we say, man, Christ, you're really, you know, I'm really struggling right now. I'm really suffering right now. And, and the Bible says, great, because that develops perseverance. So can we sit there and say, all right, good. This experience is going to make me closer to him. Or do we sit there and say, well, that's not fair. Look what they're not. They don't have to do it. Look at that. That ain't fair. Right? Or can we sit there and say, no, that's fine, because I want to be closer to God, and this is going to get me there. The last one, the, sorry, not the last one. The example that, that I found in the Bible for that is, is with Moses. And I think this was a, an easy example to look at was you, you look at Moses, and, and he had to bring the Israelites out of, out of Egypt and lead them through the desert, and you just watch the Israelites over and over and over again say, man, I, we want to worship other gods. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I don't want to be here. We should have stayed in Egypt. And you're like, oh my gosh. Moses had to be like, God, please strike them all with something. I don't care. Just, just do something. I don't want to listen to this anymore. Right? Moses has to be pulling his hair out, going, are you kidding me with this again? You know, bread freaking rains down in the morning. They're like, well, I don't want manna anymore. And you're like, it's raining bread. Raining bread. And you're going to complain, right? And I mean, it's easier for us to, to read about it, right? But, but then Moses is going and, and they're complaining again. They're like, Moses, we're thirsty. Moses, we're going to die of heat. Moses, I'm thirsty. And he's like, God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Please tell me what to do. And he says, okay, go speak to that rock and it'll produce water. And I'm just picturing him walking over to that rock. And they're all in his ear still. I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, right? And he just gets fed up with it. And he hits the rock. And water comes out, right? And it still gave glory to God, right? It still gave glory to God. I can give any of you a bat in here. You can go to town on these walls. I promise you, you won't strike water unless you hit the water line, right? You're not going to hit. You're not, you can't go out to, this, to the asphalt out here and just start pounding on it. And all of a sudden, water comes out right? So this wasn't like, this is still a miracle. Like the Israelites still praised God for the water that they got. But then what did God do? God said, that's not what I, that's not what I expected from you. That's not what I said. Now you're not going to the promised land. Are you kidding me? Right? If I was Moses, I think that would be, are you freaking kidding me? 
They've complained. They've, you know, they've pissed and moaned and whatever for years, for years. They've built idols. They've worshiped other gods. They've done this and this and this and this. And I can't go in? But Moses is held to a higher level because Moses was chosen to be the leader. And I think that's the same for for us, that we can say, are you kidding me? If I did that, you know what God would have done to me, right? Something like that. And you say, oh, man. But God calls us to a higher level. So what are we doing to live up to that level? Do we want to be Moses and called to a higher level? Or do we want to be the Israelites and be content complaining? The third one is our obedience to God leading to difficulties. You know, I think there's so many times that this is relevant in each of our lives. And we can look at different experiences. And, and I think all, of the, all three of these things fall under the, like, it's not fair category. That we have this idea in our head of what's fair and what's not. And so we have the obedience to God leading to difficulties. And I think a huge, a, a big example in my life was that of, uh, I have a friend, Wayne, and some of you who, who grew up, or not grew up, some of you who used to go to First Baptist knew the Terry family or whatever. And so... Um, Wayne and Danny were going to have a little baby Trenton and Trenton early on in Danny's pregnancy she was uh, the baby was diagnosed with what's it called trisectomy 18 or something like that it's a genetic disorder basically what it means is 90% of the kids with this disorder are stillborn before they before the mom carries them to term and of the kids that are born 90% of those die within the first year so the odds were stacked greatly against little Trenton and so, I mean, and I give Wayne and Danny credit because through the whole thing, they just continue to give glory to God and their faith never wavered. Um, you know, obviously it was difficult. Let's not, let's not make it sound like if you have the complete and utter faith in the Lord that things aren't difficult because I couldn't imagine having to lose a child like that. And, and at the same time, you know, from my point of view, it's the same thing. Like I used to teach, um, teach these pregnant moms up at, up at Lakeside and you say, not, and don't get me wrong, this isn't to all the, the moms, but there were some of them that it was, you know, they, they, weren't, they weren't all good moms. They were, that, those kids were going to be born into bad situations. And you look at it and you say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are these kids living to term be, having, you know, these, these girls are having healthy babies that are just going to be products. And I'm not saying God can't work miracles and, and deliver these kids, but you look at the statistics and you say, more than likely, this kid's just going to be, be in the same, you know, crappy home life that the, that the parents, that the moms grew up in. And it's just going to repeat itself. But yet Wayne and Danny are here, these super strong Christians, you know, church leaders. Why are you taking their baby away? This kid's set up for success. This is the kid that needs to be born. You know, you get that same attitude again. You know, like, if I was God, this is not how it would work, right? This is not how it would work. Now you listen here, right? <laughs> and God says, hey, hold on. So we fast forward to about 30 weeks, 27, 30 weeks, somewhere in there, and, and Trenton was stillborn. They, they, Danny wasn't feeling him anymore. They went to the doctor, and, and Trenton didn't have a heartbeat anymore, and they had to deliver him anyway. And so now they have a funeral for this little baby. And six people got up and accepted Christ at that funeral because the gospel was presented. Six people stood up and said, I want to give my life to Christ today. And you say, all right, God, I get it. I don't know. You know. I don't know. 
And man, I can't imagine how difficult it would be to lose a kid like that. But you sit there and you say, yeah, I understand this is your son and I'm going to use him in this way. Because just because we're Christians and just because we're believers doesn't mean, doesn't mean we're promised certain things in our life. How easy is it how easy is it and how easy would it have been for Wayne and Danny to sit there and go, no, 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 you're not going to take my kid from me. You're not going to take my kid from me. I've been a Christian since I was six. I've been on mission trips. I've been church leaders. I give all this money to the church. You're not going to take my kid from me. You owe me. You owe me better than that. You owe me. How easy is it to think like that? And we sit there and we say, God, no. No, 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 no. Look at everything that I've done for you. You owe me better than that. I want a healthy kid. And he says, that's not the plans that I have. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say, if you're obedient, you follow me, you'll have an easy life. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. In fact, it gives us guides to suffering. I'm going to share four four verses. First one is 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 14. I think we have them up here, but... It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And so it doesn't say, look, it's going to be easy. It says, no, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. And especially with Wayne and Danny in that situation, I have to believe, and I know, you know, I've known Wayne since I was in the third grade, and I know if, if God would have come to them and said, hey, I'm going to give you this little baby boy, and I'm going to take him away early, but it's going to save these six people, and they're going to be in heaven forever, waiting there with, with Trenton when you get there. I know they would have said, whatever you want, Lord. doesn't make it easier. You know, and sometimes we're going to go through things and we're not going to understand, and that has to be Okay. It has to be okay. In John 15, 18 through the beginning of verse 20, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. They will persecute you also. You know, I think it's so difficult that sometimes we go through those things and we say, no, 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 Lord, that's not fair. You owe me better than that. That's not fair. And he says, fair? Fair? You know, it's almost like I can hear my mom. Like, you want to talk about fair? Like, oh, gosh. It's like I get these flashbacks when I was like 10. But he says, fair? Fair? I don't remember you standing there getting beaten. I don't remember you standing there when they nailed the, I don't remember you being the ones that took, took the nails in your, in your wrist when they were putting you to the cross. I don't remember you there at that point. Fair? Because Christ came. We don't serve a God that doesn't understand. He understands it's not fair. Because he came down, lived a perfect life, and then was crucified. You sit there and you say, why was he crucified? For nothing. Not for nothing, but... You know, you say the, the thieves were crucified because they stole, right? What did he do 
in the world to deserve crucifixion? Nothing. That's not fair. And so we have this debt that we will be paying back forever. No, 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 we don't owe him. Or he, sorry, he doesn't owe us, we owe him. And that's a debt that we work our entire lives. We work every single day, striving for perfection, striving to pay that back. Knowing we'll never be able to pay it back, but we work every day to pay back that debt that he, that he paid for us. We owe him. I think that's the most important thing to remember. Lastly, in 1 Peter 4, 12 to 14. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fire ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of of glory and of God rests on you. You know, it's the whole thing. It says, don't, don't be surprised. Don't think it's this terrible thing. If you get to suffer for Christ, that means we're paying back our debt maybe a little bit faster. You know, we sit up here and we sing these songs that, oh, Christ, you're enough for me. Christ, you're all I need. Christ, you're whatever. Are we singing it in vain? Do we really, do we really have that attitude? Or do we have parts in our heart that are like, no, 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 but if you take this away we're going to have words. Or do we really say, Christ, you're enough. That Christ, if you take away my little boy, if you, need, if you need to use my little boy in some way like that, I have to trust you because do I really sit in my heart and say, Christ, you're enough. You see so many people that some tragedy happens and they walk away from their faith. What they're saying is Christ wasn't enough. Is Christ really enough in our lives? Can we lose something extremely significant in our lives? Or is Christ actually number one? And we can say, yes, Christ, you are enough. The last verse I want to read is 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23. It says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. And that's what I love. You can find so many different religions that, that worship some God or whatever. But they didn't come down. They didn't walk in the places that we walked. See, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He gives us a guide. It's not just, hey, here's the rules you have to follow. It's no, here, here's what I did. Follow me. He doesn't just say, here's expectations that I've laid in front of you. He says, no, do it like I did it. Is he really enough for us? And that's the question. And I want to take one minute of just silent prayer. You know, I'm sure there's many of us in this room, and I say every time I, every time I present this devotion, something, up, something else comes up in my heart and in my mind. And, but are there things we're just holding on to? Are there things we're still angry about? Are there things we still think is unfair? And I'm sure everybody in this room has had one, whether you've been able to let it go before or not, we've had it before in our lives. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've sat there and said, no, 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 that's not fair. That's not how it should be. I challenge you this morning to let it go. You know, I've, I've talked in church before and, and people come up afterwards and they're like, oh, Dave, that really got me thinking. No, I hope we don't just think about these things. I hope we do. I hope we do. Because thoughts don't do a whole lot.
So I want to challenge you guys to whatever, whatever it might be in your heart and your mind that you're still holding on to, that you still think is unfair and unjust and that God owes you better for, I challenge you right now to just let it go. So let's take one minute of silent prayer and then I'll close this. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. And I just pray for every one of us in here, Lord, that whatever we might be holding on to, Lord, that um, whether we feel it's been unfair or unjust or, or whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that we would just let it go and we would really live up to the words that we sing and during our worship time, Lord, and we just can sit there and truly say, yes, Lord, you are enough. You are enough. And I just pray that every day we can work closer to that point, Lord, that, that in every situation you are truly enough. And I just pray for all of us in here, Lord, that we would just be able to let it go and just completely surrender to you. And we just thank you for this time um, that we can learn more about you, Lord, and that we can grow closer to you. And, and we just love you and we thank you. In your name, amen.